This morning's reading comes from the prophet Jeremiah. And you know enough, I think, to know that the prophets are constantly talking about what's not right. (laughs) Or what's not right yet, which we need to not deny. We need not ignore. We need not deflect. We must address so that we can heal, so that we can move forward. Listen to Jeremiah. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. Hark the cry of my poor people from far and wide in the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of my poor people, I hurt, I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there No balm in Gilead? Is there no physician here? Why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears so that I might weep day and night for those slain, my poor people. May God speak through those words. Thanks be to God. I read the news today, oh boy. Every time I confront the enormity of the world's bad news and grief, I hum that wonderful line from the Beatles song, A Day in the Life. The headlines this week had me uttering, oh boy, more times than I can count. And I'm gonna be honest, my expression was somewhat more colorful and exacerbated than, oh boy. From a racially motivated, premeditated mass murder in Buffalo last week to the ongoing tragedy in Ukraine, to a fatal stabbing at a teenage house party in Shelton, I just wanted to throw up my hands and spirit in complete disbelief and frustration. 
Then I heard the news yesterday that we lost another young life in Darien. There is such sorrow in these stories and such a shock and an incredulity that these things could actually happen. Theologian Barbara Brown Taylor said, deep suffering makes theologians of us all. How can we not ask these questions? How can we not express our anger, our grief, and our outrage? How can we not question, where is God in all of this? Sometimes we do, but most of the time we don't. There's a part of us that's just overpolite. There's a part of us that despite our despair, we feel we can't question our faith or question the presence of God when our spirit is completely depleted and our faith is falling short. So when looking inward yields no answers, we are forced to sit with our pain and look outwards into our immediate world. In the initial aftermath of things we can't understand, there's usually sympathetic outrage. We see others struggling, just like us, and there's comfort there. Yet, in a short time, the public attention moves on to the next thing, and with the news pointing us to headlines and the toxic positivity on social media and the polite conversation doing its best to point us toward an unrealistic narrative of life as it should be, of what it appears to be, we're simply lost. And in our confusion, we just have to sit with our pain and our questions and our suffering. And we feel like we're the only ones seeing our world and the world at large unraveling at its seams. 2,500 years ago, the prophet Jeremiah, who Carter just read, was desperately crying out in anguish. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. Is the Lord not in Zion? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. We are not saved. Is there no balm in Gilead? That's lament. And lament is a practice that has long died out. Lament is different than praying for hope. Lament is what you do when hope is gone. Jeremiah was lamenting that hope seemed gone. God was supposed to save Jeremiah and his people, and that just wasn't happening. There was no bombing Gilead. Even 2,500 years ago, humans weren't very good at lamenting. And today, our culture just doesn't make room for it or show us how. We are urged to keep our grief private, to hold it together for everyone, (coughs) to look at the bright side, and to skip over that sense of abandonment when we can't see or feel God. We are born this way, though. Babies know how to lament. The first thing healthy babies do when they enter the world is cry. (laughs) 
toddlers really know how to lament and make their needs known. And for the most part, teenagers do too. But as we move from our teenage years and adolescence into adulthood, something happens when it's no longer acceptable to air our grief. It's too loud, it's too embarrassing, it's too dark. And there is that part of us that believes that complaining to God or being angry with God is inappropriate. We often succumb to that urge and keep our prayers polite, world peace, food, basic needs, health. Because complaining drains emotional energy, especially when many of our needs in this room are met. Think about lament in the context of our friendships. Most of us have at least one acquaintance or friend who's a chronic complainer. (laughs) Most of us have at least one acquaintance who's a chronic one-upper. You have a cold, they have COVID, you lost your job, their sister's been unemployed for two years, your mom is sick, their mom's in hospice. You know, we all have that friend too. And most of us have at least one acquaintance who's terribly uncomfortable when anything dark or negative slips into the conversation. They may be a wonderful person, but they're not the one to whom we take our soul's deepest longing. I truly love each and every one of my friends. But there's only a handful that I would turn to when I'm really in deep despair. And I say, is God one of those friends? When we don't fully lament, we risk turning God into one of those friends. When we don't share the suffering and frustration in our life. But isn't God different? Doesn't God see the bigger picture? How can my mourning malaise mean anything? when there is so much suffering in the world? How can we hurt when there's a war in Ukraine and COVID is still claiming lives? How could my despair and Fairfield County really matter? Because my despair and your despair is real. There's no suffering Olympics. Our despair and grief must be witnessed and acknowledged. And because the relationships with God and others fostered by lament allows for the full expression of grief and pain, the full expression of broken hearts and broken dreams. And because those are the most honest expressions of faith and relationship with God out there. Jeremiah knew the wisdom and promise and practice of lament. And Jeremiah isn't the only place in the Judeo-Christian Bible where lament is prominent. There's actually an entire book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. The books of Psalms are full of Psalms of lament. And many of Jesus' last words on the cross are words of lament in the, the words of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The book of Lamentations, as the title suggests, records a painfully tragic story of of Jerusalem's destruction. It would seem then that grieving and lamenting are integral parts of our relationship with God. It certainly was for Old Testament prophets like Jeremiah. And spare me one minute to give you some historical context for Jeremiah's despair and lament. His kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, was about to be assaulted by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were at the gates of the city. They were about to destroy it. Defeat was imminent, 
and Israel would soon be exiled in a far-off land. It was one of the darkest times in Israel's history, and Israel has never really lacked for dark times. And so Jeremiah is just crying out in lament. There was no bomb in Gilead. But back to the present day, the beauty of lament is that it quite deliberately encourages the person who is lamenting to pour out the anguish of their current existence in very real and concrete frustrations, all the while affirming a loving relationship with God. Lament then allows us to express the conviction that God was and is present in the events, present in the victims, present in the survivors, present in all the people in in wider society. God is present even as we seek ways of reconciliation, personal transformation, and simply healing. And when you look at all the things in the world that foment despair, and you see that God has created the whole world, there is where where is the tiny spark of hope. Hope doesn't remove pain and anguish, but it shows us that promise and possibility always exist. Lament is our way to hope. It is the bomb in Gilead. So how do we get some of this mysterious bomb? Before we get back to the practice of lament, it's important to note that the actual bomb of Gilead that Jeremiah was talking about was a fragrant medicinal substance believed to have healing properties. It came from the sap of the balsam tree and grew east of the Jordan River. In order to make the balm, you had to tap the tree. You had to literally wound the tree so the sap would leak out, kind of like maple syrup. And here's what's important to note. In making this healing balm, you're literally making a wound to have to get it. It's only when you, you wound the tree that the balm comes pouring out. So what does that mean for us? It means we must lament. We must face our open wounds in order to see any hope of a healing balm. We must share with God our confusion, our anguish, and our rage. We must not only witness our pain, but allow our pain to be God's pain too. Because in doing so, in the act of lamentation, we make more space in our soul for God's grace and love. We make space inside for God's spirit. And we make space for God's comforting embrace to step into our souls and start to heal. So let us lament the shock and despair many of us felt this week just from paying attention to the news. Let us lament that the mental health crisis is real and pervasive. Let us lament that finding and accessing effective mental health treatment is often logistically and financially impossible. Let us lament that structural racism continues to thrive and that our brothers and sisters with dark skin have their very humanity and existence continually threatened by hateful white nationalism. Let us lament that gun violence is horrific and let us lament that there aren't laws that make it harder to get guns. Let us lament that rogue conspiracy theories are easily disseminated and rarely filtered. Let us lament our politicians who are unwilling to work for change. 
and as we all are holding so much individually. Let's take one moment to lament the losses breaking our individual hearts today. Let us lament, O God, and promise to find your healing and the love that remains in the core of our wounds and the courage to work for change. Let us allow God's pain, our pain, to be God's pain. Because in doing so, in the act of lamentation, we make space in our souls for grace and love. Theologian Jim Finley says it perfectly. We didn't come here to find refuge from the suffering of the world. We came here to experience the suffering of the whole world in our hearts and find it permeated by love. Like tapping into the balm of Gilead, it is in that wound that we are healed. And that brings me to an old Hasidic tale. A young rabbinical student questioned his rabbi teacher why the Torah commands us to place God's sacred words on our hearts. The rabbi answered his student, because when we place God's words on our hearts, they can fall in every time our heart breaks. Is there no balm in Gilead? There is. It is lament. And it is the love that flows out afterwards. May today and always you lament all that is on your heart so that God's healing balm and healing words may pour into your heart, may pour into your open wounds, and may you pour that love back out into the world. May it be so.
Oh. 